peeped. What's up, residents of 221B Baker Street? I am Princess Weeks. And I'm Detective Tessa Netting. Elementary. And you are listening to The Geek Podcast, your one-stop shop for fandom convos, pop culture conversations, media, all the things we love. Yep, each week we skim the surface of what's popular in geek culture, then take a deep dive into the lore of the Netflix world bigger than our own. Today we are taking a trip to London to catch up with Anola. Holmes, and of course her hot, studly, himbo-type brother, played by Henry Cavill in Enola Holmes 2. Yes, I love Enola, I love Millie Bobby Brown, I love Henry Cavill, I love everyone in this cast. It is excellent, but what I love even more is debating. which is what I do every night when Joe and I go to bed and also what we are going to do today. We are going to decide who is the best Sherlock of television past, so get ready for that at the end of the episode. Well, I am ready because it's elementary, elementary, my dear Tessa. But before we get into the hardcore debate of which Sherlock is better, Tessa, what's got you geek this week? Stranger Things! Again? (laughs) As always, me and my little Stranger Things brain that just, if I need something to think about, I just think about Stranger Things. When it, it was Stranger Things Day, and not only was it Stranger Things Day, so we were celebrating all things Stranger Things, and we were getting behind-the-scenes photos from the last season, and we were getting some really cool, um, just like fan interaction, everyone getting hype. We got some new icons for Netflix, which my icon has always been like a Stranger Things character. At first, it was Scoops Ahoy Steve. Then I changed it to Will. And now I'm like, oh, no, who— who should I change it to now? Like, do I change it to Vecna? Do I keep um, Will and switch it over to the new season of Will? Like, do I change it to Robin? These these are the questions that plague my life, and I just don't know what to do about it. Um, so, I don't know. Still workshopping that one. But one of the coolest things that was dropped is they released the new—the title for the first episode of the last and final fifth season of Stranger Things, and it's entitled The Crawl. So that crawl. I tweeted, and I was like, who's crawling? <laughs> but then some smarter person than me was like, a crawl is like a D&D thing. And I was like, oh, mm. that makes more sense. Because I was like, it's Eddie. Eddie's crawling out of the upside down. (laughs) I love how, like, my first thought was, like, it's like the inverse of The Climb by Miley Cyrus. It's like, it's the crawl. It's the crawl. I can can almost feel it. Yeah, (laughs) they're going to be playing that song, but it's going to be Eddie crawling out of the upside down. So I love it. Can't wait. Can't wait for that. Yeah, it says, A crawl in D&D is a labyrinth in a dungeon in which the heroes fight monsters, and the Upside Down has leaked into Hawkins, and so Hawkins is now the dungeon. The final battle is happening there. It makes sense. (laughs) It makes more sense than, like, which character is crawling? (laughs) So. But still, it'd be great to see them crawl. I'm down for them all to crawl. I think they all should just, like, you know, all crawl together as one and, and start fighting. This is the final battle, man. This is big stakes. I'm I'm hype. Listen, I'm always hype for Stranger Things. I can't wait for us to like realize that our prediction about an evil dragon is going to be right. Like that's going to be the highlight. We're just going to be like, we did it. Dragon. They need a dragon. It needs to happen. They need it. 
It, That's going to happen. Mean, it's, dra- it's Dungeons and Dragons. Right. We've had dungeons. Yep. Where are the dragons, dragons are baby? <laughs> Give us the dragons. Um, princess, what about you? What has got you geeked this week? I think the main thing that's got me geeked is that the trailer, as of this recording, for Gloss Onion dropped. And I got to say, I am so, like, like turned on, <laughs> but in, like, an entertainment way. You know, like, when you see something and you're like, ah, I am, my mind is aroused. Like, I just yes. immediately, I'm like, I cannot wait to find out what the mystery it is. Mm-hmm. It was giving little shades of clue, which mm-hmm. we love from the first one. And I just love that it's a new cast, except for, you know, our gay king. and. I'm just really excited to see where it goes. I love all the actors they they brought together. Janelle Monet possibly being like a vamp noir character is so great. I love them so much. Incredible. And like, and it's like in this bright, sunny outdoor cruise ship, so different from like the small, you know, kind of claustrophobic area of like, you know, this old money house. So like, I'm excited. And like Edward Norton, you know, when he's in a movie, he is coming to act. Oh, so always. it's like he is going to be entertaining us. So I'm excited to see what the alternate Hulk is. And yeah, I'm ex- I'm so excited to see this movie. It is my most anticipated, like just regular, regular movie. <laughs> so Ryan Johnson, I'm ready. Ruin my Christmas. Yes, exactly. Like this is the movie that I was looking forward to the most, like the whole year. I was waiting for this movie and I've only heard great like the best things so that mm-hmm. like scares me a little bit so like oh no now i'm gonna be way too hyped for this like i can't yeah. be too hyped but um it's gonna happen i'm gonna be way too hype and i i just know that it's gonna be just as good as i want it to be because i have faith in ryan johnson that man i would trust him with my life so i trust him with this i believe it i just feel like when i watched knives out i came into it knowing nothing Hearing it was great, but just having no idea. So it's going to be such a surreal experience, like, watching the sequel and, like, having all these expectations to it. It's almost like a blessing and a curse. Because I would love to just, like, be like, brand new IP. But I'm here. I'm queer. We're going to watch it. It's perfect. He's perfect. We love it. All right. So for those who may not know, Enola Holmes, played by the lovely Millie Bobby Brown, is the younger sister of the famous Sherlock Holmes, played by Henry Cavill. Cavill. I know that he's hot and I support him and all of his Superman endeavors. In the first movie, she sets out to find her missing mother and is an all-around badass. And in the sequel, Enola takes on her first real case as a detective as she unravels the mystery of a missing young girl with her brother, who is very, very out of it. (laughs) God bless him. Uh, We love a disheveled Sherlock. Oh, my God. When he came out all drunk and disheveled, I was like, well, hello there. I know. You see what happens when you don't have a Watson? Right. You get all (laughs) all jacked up. Yeah, it doesn't work. That's why it's like people like Sherlock need a Watson, especially Mm -hmm. this man. But, yeah, I— I loved this. I loved the first Enola Holmes, so I was— Me too. I do think I liked the first one more, but just because I liked the outfits and the mystery 
part of mm-hmm. it more. But I do think that this one had like good character development. It's like moving this in like a direction of what I like. I like how these new characters were introduced, like ones that we know or people would know as Sherlock fans. But mm-hmm. their introduction into this world of Sherlock was very fun and surprising. And I I loved those sort of cameo moments. And I just, I love this world of Sherlock that is building. I think Millie Bobby Brown is uh, fucking fantastic in this. She just was born to play this role. And because she's just so fun and quirky. And Mm -hmm. we never get to see that in Stranger Things because she's so, so serious as Eleven. And, you know, but here she gets to do everything. And yeah, I'm just obsessed with the casting for this. And I love it. So what do you think, Princess? I also really loved it. I think, like, Millie Bobby Brown is, like, one of the most talented young actors Mm -hmm. out there right now. I, like, if I could go back and put her in so many different roles, I would. Like, I would love to see her, like, as so many different characters that I've loved as a kid because she just is such a dynamic actress. And I think that keeping in mind that she produces these movies. She produced the oh, first Nola Holmes. Like, yeah, like, she's been very active in carving out this place for herself and you know, getting herself in a position where she can get these kind of roles for herself. I mean, she's only 18 years old and has done so much to solidify herself as someone who is not going to be a, you know, one of those teen stars that only ever does one thing and never does anything else again. Like, she's really carving out a place for herself. And I think that's so wonderful to watch. And also, like, she's just a real, like, we talked about this before, like, now that I'm 30 and I see someone, like, I'm like, what a lovely young lady. That's how I feel about it. I'm just rooting for her like a big sister. Like, I really like her. And in this movie, what's really interesting is, like, the setting and the relationships between all the characters. Mm -hmm. And I think I really love this period of London as a setting. Yes. Because you have, going on in the background, all these kind of things. You have the typhus endemic. You have, you know, the suffragette movement of trying to get votes of, like, Helen Bonham Carter's character basically being, like, you know, a terrorist, a domestic terrorist. Another thing our mother has to answer for. Trying to get votes, which is, like, historically accurate. And just watching Enola navigate this setting, trying to navigate both, like, posh society with her little twink love interest, and, (laughs) you know, also just... Being a young woman who's very bright and very passionate, but not taken seriously because of any of those things. I find that to be the most compelling part of watching these movies because we kind of already know, like, we know she's going to figure things out. We kind of know, like, when, right. when the Moriarty reveal happened, I was like, of course it's this curse yeah. I get. You know, it's like, but that's not the point. Mm-hmm. You know, the point is, like, enjoying watching Sherlock let down his guard with his sister, watching her try to bring him in and you know, how she plays with the camera. Those are the things that make the movie worth watching and enjoyable. And I love those things. Definitely. It's one of those things where when I, we are so used to the story of Sherlock and to what happens in Sherlock that I'm also thinking of like children or not children, but like kids that are watching this Mm -hmm. for the first time and they so they don't know like the classic Sherlock mysteries of like oh it's obviously this person or oh it's obviously that so to them they're like whoa this is this is cool so because I just forget sometimes that I'm like becoming older (laughs) yeah I mean all the time we've we've seen so much content at this point that uh you know we can pretty much guess how a lot of things are gonna go just story wise because we know how so many other stories have gone 
fun. But for a lot of people, especially and especially with mysteries, because mysteries is such mm-hmm. like a genre specific thing. It's so like, yeah. so it was fun to see them like play at that and showcase that. But it also must be so fun for like young girls to watch this for the first time. Like I grew up reading like Nancy Drew books and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like young girl detective is such a thing. And it's such a thing oh that God. I loved. I really, really loved reading those books, playing video games about it. And so I was a Harriet the Spy. Yes. Stan. Uh-huh. Michelle Trashenberg is Harriet. I was like living for that. So like, I totally hear you there. And like, also that she's imperfect right. but like so like you know like she's like a flawed character yes. she's got these this social awkwardness that makes sense because she technically kind of lived like was homeschooled yeah. by her you know <laughs> and, I, and I love homeschool icon and I think like that's just so fun to watch her do it how do you feel about your first of all David Thewlis is in everything right right now. I don't know right I don't know who's his agent this but he is renaissance <laughs> this Lupin renaissance that we are getting right now also as a villain this villain arc he is having I am living just for, for it. you I'm living for this it was another surprise I was like again another gift for me um he was wonderful I want him to be a villain in everything now because he is just so fun. He's so over the top and I love how he just chews everything. I love when villains are not afraid to chew the scenery and just own the scene. That's like, you know, what Matt Smith's doing right now I'm in House of the Dragon. It's like, I love Mm -hmm. villains that are like ready to just (laughs) live in their screen time. And the freaking classic hook to the crotch. Are you kidding me? Loved it. Uh, Amazing. I mean, I just, every time he's on screen, I'm like, look at you working again. Like, you know, I like look that you actor. actor. Yeah. Look at you having a job. He's, a, I like, I have such a warm spot in my heart for like those Potter actors, especially oh, because yeah. like they were, they were all fundamentally miscast, but we love them anyway. What do you mean miscast? Because they're so, no, no, in the fact that they're much older than the characters oh, oh, that they're supposed oh. to be playing. Yeah. In that way. But as like embodying the character, they're perfect. But it's just always one of those things of like, they're all supposed to be 30. Oh, right, <laughs> But that's right, because right. Hogwarts being messed up. That's nothing to do with them. But, like, I, so I love all of them. And they're so, like, warm in my heart. So when I see them in other things, it just reminds me, oh, yeah, that series brought, like, classically trained yes. character British actors. Mm-hmm. And, like, in a way exposed us to, like, all of these great character actors, yep. you know? And so, like, every time I see him, I'm reminded, like, you're just a great actor that, like, has done so much work. And it was just, it's so fun seeing everybody in here. Oh, yeah. The cast the is... The whole cast is fabulous. Incredible. And talking about sticking with Harry Potter actors, um, Helena Bonham Carter in this is the, like, basically the mom goals that I aspire to be one day. Like, the, Absolutely. The dream. <laughs> the dream of just, like, teaching your daughter everything about life in the most crazy, chaotic way possible. Just obsessed. My dream way of parenting. And I love the lessons that she like is giving Enola like throughout these movies and like in the first one since the plot was so much around her like we got a lot of them but even in this one like Mm -hmm. there was a quote that I wrote down and she says like too many people make it their sole purpose in life to fit into the world Mm -hmm. Um, but this is a mistake like this is your path but no matter how lost you feel if you stay true to yourself then the path will always find you again. It's like, it's important to say that shit. And it is, especially for young girls and especially for young, like, 
uh, impressionable girls that are trying to figure out who they are and are being influenced by their friends, by their classmates, by everything and want to desperately fit in. But it's like, no, that is not your sole purpose. Like you, you are yourself and that is beautiful and you should love all the things that make you unique and make you different. And so whenever I see that sort of uh, messaging to girls, I love it because when I was a little girl, I loved it. Like I loved it then. I love it now. Uh, You know, I I was that little girl that was wearing shirts like dare to be different. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so weird because I don't like to wear Abercrombie. And it's like, yes, but like, honestly, for someone in the middle of Pennsylvania, you need something like that. It's like you need these types of reminders because otherwise you don't know. Like Mm -hmm. you're not surrounded by it as much as you are. Like if you live in L.A., if you live in New York, if you're surrounded by creatives, there are so many children that are still trying to figure out where they fit in. Yeah. So I, I just think those are important. So God bless Helena Bonham Carter for mothering us all. Exactly. And especially because, like, you can also read, even though it's not explicit queerness into that, mm. of, like, you know, you don't have to take any one path to mm-hmm. anything, including love. And I and I love that. And I love, I just love also just, <laughs> Millie Brown is a great comedic actress. Yes. So, like, she's, she Such makes good me timing. laugh. Mm-hmm. Like, when she's like, he's like, he's like t- he's, when Sherlock is like, take my help, and she's like, no but I will take this shit of bread. And she's just like, can you believe you think she I needed help? I was just like, <laughs> she was so she's funny. Fun. I just, I really, it, like, I enjoyed watching her. And like, I think that like, as 11, she's great, but she's doing so much silent right. work. Yes. So like getting her to like speak and show like all these different layers to her yes. talent. It's just like, I, I, I just we love get that. To see she's, her play. she's immensely talented. Exactly. Just like when I was rewatching Fear Street and, you know, Max is in those mm. movies. And I'm like, it's so great seeing the range of these young, talented girls and, and femme creators. It's just like it's, it really warms my heart because I think sometimes it can feel like you're seeing the same people over right. and over and over again. So it's nice to know that there's actually like young talent being harvested and and treated in this way because she definitely has more of a support system than I think a lot of the like young actors that we grew up watching, you know, getting to deal with that stuff. So I'm happy for her. Yeah. And uh, get money, queen. <laughs> get that bag. Um, f- speaking to like her sort of free spirited um, playfulness, I think. It also, these movies showcase that a lot because you get to see, like, the difference between, like, her and Sherlock, you know, especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to solving mysteries because Sherlock has, like, oh, this is my, like, structured, specific way of solving the problem. And then she's, like, I can have a weird, chaotic way of solving the same problem. And it's, like, Mm -hmm. that is true for life. (laughs) That is true for many things. It's, like, yes, like, Sherlock's way is probably the most precise and perfect way, but, like, you could also have a detective, like Enola, who is more hands-on, more street smart, more like, you know, (laughs) chaotic. But she, because of her like strong will, force of nature, she can still come to the same conclusion as Sherlock Mm -hmm. and sometimes even outwit him because he is so by the book that he'll miss something. So it's, it's fun to see their dynamic together. And I would love to see more of more of that and more of them playing those characters because I think their their chemistry together is just like beautiful. It's perfect. You can tell that he like loves her and like as a sister. And it's whenever you get to crack Sherlock Holmes a little bit, it's like, mm-hmm. ah. 
It's great. Well, you know what? I think we've been talking about Sherlock and how much we feel about it, that it's time for us to finally (gasps) have our great battle over our favorite modern Sherlock. Yeah. The game has found its feet again. Sherlock versus Sherlock. Dun, dun, dun. Lock and locked. Um, but yeah, so since the very beginning, Tessa and I have like, we have so much in common, but the one of the things that we like are like opposites about is that you love the BBC Sherlock. Yes. And I love the CBS show Elementary. And now we have to give our arguments for this. All right. So we are going to discuss, we're going to do Sherlock v. Sherlock. So you are going to be fighting on behalf of Benedict Cumberbatch's <laughs> yes. Sherlock Holmes. Yes. And I will be on team Johnny Lee Miller Mm -hmm. of Elementary. Yes. And we can bring in supporting arguments like, oh, this Watson and this Mm -hmm. aspect of the story. But let's mainly just talk about the Sherlock, the way that this person embodies this iconic character. Because like I've said, so many people have played Sherlock Holmes. So Mm -hmm. what makes it, what makes this person Sherlock iconic? Well, uh, do you want to go first with your Benedict's conversation? Or do you want me to go with mine? Um, Maybe you can go first because I, then I'll know how 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 far I should go into this. (laughs) All right. So I... So backstory, backstory. Mm -hmm. If you were on Tumblr in the 2010s, then you know that at one point it was announced that CBS was going to be doing their own modern day Sherlock Holmes show called Elementary, which led to a lot of uh, hand wringing between those who were fans of the Sherlock BBC show that came out in 2010. They're like, they're both wearing scarves. And then the big issue was that like this version, the elementary version had Lucy Liu playing mm-hmm. a version of Watson as Joan Watson. And everyone was very quick like, oh, they're going to make it make her a woman so they can like get together. And it's like, that's not what happened. Um, Bless. But I very much, like I had already been like sort of like iffy on Moffat. So I was like, let me try elementary. Fair. And I really <laughs> ended up enjoying it. So the reason why I like Johnny Lee Miller as Sherlock Holmes is that this incarnation of Sherlock Holmes deals very heavily with him being in recovery for rehab. Mm. So in the show, he's just gotten out of rehab and Watson is brought in as his sober companion. She used to be a surgeon, but she's dealing with some trauma with it. So she comes in as that role. And the entire series is sort of an ode to their friendship and also an ode to his healing. Sherlock in the show is like, very he's a dickhead like mm-hmm. ever, all of us are like like he's conceited but there also is through his relationship to an addiction this ability for him to care about like the unhoused that he has he has okay. empathy oh. which i find very he has a lot of empathy for for people who are going through it and you see that at every turn when they bring in like sort of like his own backstory with his family that he is trying actively to form attachment, but has a really hard time doing so. Mm. He's still very smart. He's still very Byronic. But I think... <laughs> <laughs> I love that. What is really... I think what is really fun about it, and I think kind of Lisa Kelderverse, is that like he's able to be a smarmy, super smart, kind of cocky asshole and have a Watson who is his equal 
in every way in that, oh. which I think is why I love their companionship. And like, I think his Sherlock works really well because he has a really solid Watson. Mm. Because Lucy Liu's Watson is equally as snarky, starts off as, you know, his apprentice eventually, and then becomes a detective in their own right. And so it's is also about like their friendship. And I love that. I think that it's really, for, first of all, you don't really get a lot of just pure friendship between men and women on shows. It usually True. is like, are they going to be together or not? And like, no, they are just, they love each other as platonically as possible. I think they kind of make Sherlock asexual in this show. He, But he does fuck, which is fun. Uh, sorry, I said the F word. You're good. And I think that like, that's what I love about it. Watson is his equal. There isn't kind of like this bullying of Watson that, I, that can be very obnoxious. Because mm. I've seen some clips of the BBC one and it's like, Watson gets picked on a lot. Oh, yeah. And I think, th- and I think that this show really balances out those aspects of it. And because it's like a modernized show, it has like a lot of fun diversity. It plays with the can a lot, which I really enjoy. And I just think that his Sherlock feels like the kind of person that would have a sister like Enola to bring it back to Enola Holmes. Mm. It feels like this version of Sherlock would be a good brother, would be a good friend and cares about his friends in a way that shows that you can be a chaotic person but still care about people Mm. so i like that about him and i think that that is it's great seeing his character growth there's a time where he like he relapses and he has to re-deal with like going back from his addiction and i just found it so heartwarming i love it i love that it explores that aspect of his character from the books and i just think it humanizes him in a way that i hadn't really seen a lot of before so it felt really good for me and also, his Moriarty is a woman, so I like that too. <laughs> Ooh, well, I like the wimp bringing in more women because Sherlock is mainly a dick fest. But I, uh, you know, speaking of dicks, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock is the biggest dick of them all. This man hates everyone. It's very much the opposite of what you just said. How he has empathy. <laughs> how you think he would be a good brother, be a good friend. Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock is none of those things. He would be a horrible brother, horrible friend. He would be he's insufferable. He is absolutely insufferable to be around. Everything annoys him. Everyone annoys him. He is rude. He bullies Watson 100%. He bullies everyone. He bullies every person he's ever met. He is arrogant, dramatic, moody. He is literally like the worst person in the world, and this is why I love him for those exact reasons. It's one of those things where <sighs> It's he says it himself like it's in the show, like I'm a highly functioning sociopath or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that is true. Like he is a sociopath at this. Like he is so disconnected from his own emotions and so disconnected and like from people from he just pushes everybody away. And it's because he's so obsessed with his work and it consumes him. And it's like everything that he loves and every he like loves his work so much that because of that, he is unable to deal with any other aspect of reality. And to me, that is so relatable. (laughs) So toxic and horrible, but it's so true. Like I sometimes can just be so obsessed with the work that I'm doing that I forget that, oh, I have to be like a human being. I have to like, you know, be a wife, be a a good sister, be a good daughter. Like I, I have an obsessive personality and so does this Sherlock. This Sherlock has an extremely obsessive personality. He's addicted to technology, um, which is very interesting. I think it's one of the most interesting parts of 
this version of Sherlock is because it's in modern Mm day um, London. Sherlock is obsessed with technology and like he's Mm -hmm. so good at it that he uses it to his advantage. Um, And we've never really seen that before. And you you would think that someone like Sherlock would be like, oh, I don't need technology. I'm better than technology. But no, he like he's smart. So he understands it and can use it better than anyone. And I feel like that is just you understand that, too. That's another relatable thing. It's like, oh, I'm addicted to technology as well. Um, You know, like the neurodivergent uh, dopamine of of all of that. It makes sense. Um, I also love him uh, because he has this fast talking deductive reasoning. That's like his his signature Sherlock thing that he does. He like does it so fast. But also he is like such a fucking sexy voice. I'm sorry. Uh, but he does that. It just makes it that mixed with his arrogance, mixed with the reason, like mixed with him hating cops, like is just it makes him so desirable. He's also like not traditionally handsome. Got those like sharp cheekbones, piercing gray eyes, the curls, the scar. Like you know, I was I was one of those Tumblr cumber bitches. I um <laughs> I will admit it. And listen, confidence and smarminess is very attractive. It I mean, is. like that's the thing. Like Johnny Lee Miller is also not traditionally attractive either. But like again, it's the confidence yes. and the swagger right. that is very, especially the piercing eyes. Ugh. Did you know? I think we talked about this before that they both played a version of Frankenstein. Incredible. They were both in it, and this is at the height of the feud. <laughs> so, and it was like they had they did it where like one played Frankenstein, one played Frankenstein monster, and then they switched and did it again. I was just kind of like, you guys are trolling right now. They knew. It was intense. They knew. The streets were hot. Also, one other thing I want to mention because this is this is another thing that I really liked about just Benedict Cumberbatch's acting. He did this little thing where he had small facial movements or things that he would do with his face to like showcase emotion because that's what I mean you got like nothing from him sometimes and he Mm -hmm. was such a sociopath that like when you would see like a little twitch of his mouth when he cared about someone it like would it would make you (laughs) scream like that and (laughs) and also it was very necessary to fan fiction I have to say like the his small facial movements Mm -hmm. were extremely necessary I've I've read many a John Locke I was also a John Locke shipper I loved their their weird sexual tension that they had and I like it's one of those things where (laughs) he never like says his sexuality really in the show so it's they keep it open and they keep you guessing Mm -hmm. and they keep and also he's just really not like a sexual person at all in the show he's very disinterested from everything and everyone but because he just cares about Watson slightly because he hates and loathes and detests every other human being known to existence you're like, oh, they're in love, you know? So I kind of feed off of that, you know, uh, arrogant virgin energy, but he also just loves Watson. I love that. Yeah. I don't know. I love it. I, Benedict Cumberbatch is just also just an excellent actor, and he— Oh, for sure. But it was the perfect time in his life. It was the perfect time in the Internet's life. It's like this—if this show came out today, it would not have had the same response that it did. For sure. I think that it's one of those things where, like, I just never got into the show, and then by the time that it was, like, it was super hula, yeah, and I was just like— 
I've chosen to watch one of these three things. Oh, princess. And I chose Doctor Who and I was just like, I can't do this. Princess. I just got so intense. No. And then I w- you have to listen. That is what happened to me. And that is why I never watched Twilight for years. And I was missing out on one of the most incredible things that I that was perfect for me. One of these shows yeah. might be perfect for you, and you'll never know because of other people. You know what? All right. But I will. I, here's the thing. I will watch it, but I would say watch the first season of Elementary because not okay. only is it like a really good character study, but also the twist with Irene is genuinely very good. Hmm. It's probably, yeah, it, I think you'll get out of it. It's like a procedural show, so you can just put it on the background, mm-hmm. vibe, come in, come out. And I think the thing that I think that I like about Elementary is that it has this underlying earnestness to it that I just, the older I get, I appreciate more, like, that's kind of like why it's so funny because when you said that sociopath line, it reminded me of like in Moffat's Doctor Who where, where like River was talking to Eleven about can't be two sociopaths and the TARDIS. Oh, yeah. Like, someone loves sociopaths. Oh, yeah. Someone <laughs> is a sociopath, I bet. So is trying to bring that sociopath representation. But bringing it back to Sherlock and to Enola Holmes and to Henry Cavill, how do we think that he compares to these two Sherlock's because his is even different from what we were talking about. Like his, mm-hmm. because <laughs> and it's weird also because he's so attractive. Like, I don't think we've ever I'm, had a more attractive Sherlock Holmes, like ever. I don't think we've had such a hot Sherlock Holmes since the great mouse detective, <laughs> to be quite honest. <laughs> Shout out to Basil. Um, <laughs> Stop. The streets know. The streets. Uh, the streets are gonna back me on this. Honestly, <laughs> you're not wrong. So, <laughs> but no, I think I think he's definitely like the lighter, softer. Right. He's the sweet and low of of of, of Sherlock's, and that's okay because it's not about him. It's about Enola. Yeah. And it's true. like, would we want to have a Sherlock Holmes no. that was like one of ours? Like, no. I, when I first saw him coming out of the the tavern, I'm like, is he gonna be like? on opium and it was like no it was just like he just got drunk that one time because and I was like okay I don't know if I would to go through that but <laughs> Enola Holmes explores the drug crisis in, in London oh my god Enola, Enola Holmes oh my god they would they would do that you know you know actually who he reminds me of who? like a cross between Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock oh yes because remember right. that happened, and and I think a little bit of that, and a little bit of the Great Mouse Detective, like <laughs> definitely a little bit more child friendly, and like Robert Downey Jr. to me is is also very hot. So like, oh the, yeah, the, uh, another hot home. That's you true. Know. Oh, I forgot he was. Sh- that's right. Oh yeah, he is hot. Um, that was like that year, that generation. Tw- we have three hot Sherlock Holmes franchises. Right? That's two uh, movies, and then them two. Why do you Crazy. think that are? generation is so obsessed with Sherlock Holmes. I think, honestly, I think part of it was just that it was public domain um, Ooh, and that yes. you can do whatever you want with it. So it was like, <laughs> take all of it. Well, well, we that's why it. we get Pinocchios this year. It's like, Listen, let's li- do it. Just wait, Great Gatsby Great Gatsby's in the public domain now. We're going to have all of the Nick D- Gatsby porn that people have been making over the years. <laughs> Give us the series, it. the miniseries. We're doing it. Oh my God, the miniseries of The Great Gatsby. Ugh. Come on, Netflix. Make it happen. Oh my God, that would be like their Gilded Age. Right? Just do like it. Oh my God, please. That would be so fun. But I think it was like partly that. Mm-hmm. And I think that like Sherlock Holmes is like one of those characters that just always comes back into the cultural conversation. Because right. I think it's like, he is like the Superman of detectives. Mm. You know what I mean? Like people can't help but want to like figure out how to like 
retell these stories. And it's just so iconic, honestly, that I think that people, like, especially guys, to be quite honest, are just drawn to this very, like, insular man who's got nothing, with his best friend that he only hangs (laughs) out with and the only person he ever loves. I don't know. So No homo, though. (laughs) The next question is then, since Henry Cavill has played both of those iconic uh, roles, Superman and uh, Sherlock Holmes, Will he iconic. play the only other iconic figure to man and play uh, Jesus Christ? Uh, that's the only thing that oh. I am wondering because— I'm glad that someone is asking these questions. That's I'm that's glad someone is left. brave enough to ask. I mean, like, truly Christ himself. What else I is mean, there? Like, he's Superman I, and Sherlock Holmes. I just think to myself, can you imagine Henry Cavill? <laughs> In sandals oh. <laughs> with a blowout and just out here. Oh, in these, but he no. has to wear like no believe- clothing, and he loves like wearing layered clothing in a, clothing I in a d- sexy I way. Don't, I don't believe that we will ever see Henry Cavill <laughs> crucified. I just don't think. <laughs> I don't think the streets can handle it. You know what he should do? He should voice Batman in an animated oh. movie. Then he gets. Then he gets us another three. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. At the end of the day, more Sherlock means more mysteries are solved and less problems. So on that note, one more thing. We want, not only do we want more Enola Holmes, I think, but I think it's time to start mixing up. We need another villain that's not Moriarty. Hmm. Moriarty has been perfected. I think we've gotten all the great Moriarty's that we could ever get. It is time to switch it up. Let's give a really cool villain for Enola. It's what she deserves. Ooh, I love that. I think that's yeah. a, I think that's good. And I think that uh, Millie Bobby Brown deserves all of the best villains that she can um, outsmart, outwit, outlast. My one more thing is that independence can be lonely. They mentioned that in this, and it's a thing that it's that's worth remembering. Like, you can be strong and powerful, but also you need to ask for help, and mm-hmm. it's, that's not a weakness, That and that should be something that is a strength, and that the people around you can make your life a lot better, so you don't have to just do everything yourself, guys, even if you're that type of person. Ask for help when you need it. People love you in your life, and those connections and relationships are important. Okay, y'all. Well, before you go, I just wanted to let you know that Princess and I will be taking a little break next week, so there will be no new episode from us. But we will be back the next week to discuss Warrior Nun. So we will see you then. And you know the drill. If you like us, follow us. You can find The Geek Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And for those of you who cannot get enough of us, you got to let us know, guys, in a five-star review. Say some nice words. Leave us some stars. We really like positive reinforcement, so pretty, 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 please. We will even read it out loud on the show. Do it. The Geek Podcast is hosted by me, Tessa Netting. And me, Detective Princess Weeks. We are detectives. We're not, but we are on the internet. So you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, all the internet places at Tessa Netting. And you can find me on YouTube as Princess Weeks and on Twitter as Weeks Princess. Next week, we don our habits into the Holy Land and talk about Warrior Nun Season 2, a show that many a gay has been waiting for, finally. 
This is a Netflix Geek and Spoke Media production. Kelly Kolf is our producer. Reyes Mendoza is our associate producer. Delora Patton is our coordinating producer. And a special thanks to Carson McCain. Sound design and engineering by Evan Arnett, who also composed and performed our original theme. Our executive producers are Keisha T.K. Dutez, Brigham Mosley, Aliyah Tavakolian, and Keith Reynolds. To stay updated on all things geek, be sure to follow at Netflix Geek on Twitter, Instagram, and the TikToks. The game is afoot, and thank you so much for listening. We love you. Bye. Bye. Stay deducting. Ding!